R.J. Bond, and I am an investigative reporter slash journalist slash documentarian, and I am here to tell you what I know. Everybody, this is R.J. Bond here, and as always, I'm here with J.M. Kazi. Say hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to third installment of R.J. Bond, what I know. We're, we're back, and it's going to be better than ever. Yep. We've, we've had a lot of time to be out and to kind of see what the state of the state is regarding Tupac and Biggie and all the investigations. And one of the things that we come across is the name of Phil Carson. And Phil Carson is an FBI agent who uh, kind of came on the scene about four years ago uh, because he was involved with investigating the Wallace case and the Shakur case uh, for the FBI. And he got involved with it because he was uh, working another case called the Ruben Palomares case. And in that case, he was able to established that there were some characters, some some people of interest that were the same between the Christopher Wallace shooting and the uh, Ruben Palomares case. And Palomares dealt with uh, crooked LAPD cops. Uh, some names, some of the same names were coming up that he was starting to see were thrown around in the Christopher Wallace case. Now, he didn't come on the scene until several years after Russell Poole had left the LAPD and uh, had done his part in the Christopher Wallace investigation. So it wasn't like Russ Poole and Phil Carson worked together. Uh, Phil Carson actually brought Russ Poole in as a, a an informant slash source uh, to help him understand where Russell Poole's investigation was. And then he went from there, took it on himself, and did his own investigation with it. Now, as I had mentioned in podcasts in the past, or I'm sorry, podcast in the live shows that we did in the past. You know, Phil Carson is a FBI. It's not like it is on TV where these FBI guys can just run around all over the place like the X-Files and just investigate whatever they want to. And they're just kind of free roaming Ronins that uh, wander the earth looking for a new case to solve. It isn't like that. Uh, it's very organized. It's very much you have to have a predicate filing, which means a lead or some reason to launch an investigation. And then when you want to do an investigation, you got to get it approved by your supervisors at the FBI. There are managers at the FBI, case managers, who manage the amount of time that an agent actually spends on a case. And if they feel like an agent is spending too much time, it's like any other government bureaucracy where they, they look at how much time is being spent. And if that agent is spending too much time and not producing tangible results or not, quote unquote, moving the ball down the field, if you know what I mean by that. Um, they then they get restricted in terms of the amount of hours they're allowed to work because there are other cases that come in that are either more pressing, have a higher priority, or might be able to be wrapped up sooner than a case that just drags on and on and on if an agent's burning a lot of hours and not getting anywhere with it. So to say all that, Kazi, is to simply say that the FBI is a very managed organization. They're a typical government bureaucracy. You're starting to see a lot more of that now because of all of the election back and forth with the FBI and Comey. And, you know, you see how it's very procedural there. Uh, not a lot of rogue agents and if anything that we've learned from all this election stuff is that anything an FBI agent does has to be okayed and endorsed and signed off by the people above them. Would you would you not agree with that? Has that been your finding? Oh yeah, especially especially with this administration, absolutely, I would agree one hundred percent. Yeah, so you know, we first thing we have to do is dismiss the idea that you know Phil Carson was this rogue samurai who was running around. Uh, you know, trying to solve Biggie and, and Tupac because his friend Russell Poole had been you know, served some sort of disjustice. That's not the case at all. He saw there were some common players. He got involved. He started doing his own investigation on his own, okay, with FBI money, public funds, and uh, started to see that, yeah, a lot of the things that Russell Poole had to say were, were true, or, or at least he could corroborate them in his investigation. Now, what does that mean exactly? And again, I'm not trying to shit on uh, Phil Carson's investigation because I actually think that he has moved the ball down the road. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Kazi, you know, um, he he did uh, do his own investigation. Now, the, the, the problem I have with when they say he did his own investigation is, sure, he comes to some of the same conclusions that Russell Poole came to, but who did he interview? 
he interviewed the same people that Russell Poole interviewed. And surprise, surprise, those guys didn't change their story. So surprise, surprise, he came up to the same conclusion that Russ came up with. Does that, I mean, does that not make any sense to you on that cause? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just and just to, to give people a, a sort of peace of mind and, and give them a visual of what we're talking about here. I mean, well, maybe not visual, but there's there's four key players that we're talking about here, right, that, that both gentlemen interviewed. And those four guys would be Wayman Anderson, Psycho Mike, uh, Kenneth Boigny, and I, I'm not too certain, and I want to put a, I don't want to put this gentleman in, in the in the in the pile there, but the handler. So I'm not sure how much how much uh, you know information that he was able to bring to the table, but I mean he is he is one of the names that, that are involved in the investigation. I, I I suppose so. Well, they got you might be able you might be able to you might you might be able to to uh, explain a little bit more about about his involvement or if he was even a key, a key piece of evidence um, factor for, for the investigation. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and again, Phil Carson interviewed the same guys that, that uh, you know, that Russ Poole interviewed. And so you're going to come up with the same statements. And, you know, and they, they put out Bogdy's statement. But, you know, just to give this some perspective, I mean, there's nothing that Phil Carson has really put out or information other than some internal politics within the LAPD and who is contact was there at Burkow and that that's kind of new information but in terms of what Bogney had to say in terms of what women Anderson had to say what Psycho Mike had to say Mary Hammonds all of that was covered back in 2017 in Tupac assassination three battle for Compton so give ourselves a little bit bit of a pat on the back for that because we brought that information to the forefront long before Phil Carson did and you know had the statements from Bogney and all that so maybe that's new to some listeners because we're on a fast news cycle and four years is a long time. That's why I suggested maybe we just ought to reshow Battle for Compton like once a week so that it just stays out there and, you know, people's people's minds, we just put it back out every week. But that isn't necessarily new information. And of course, the information that corroborates Russell Poole stuff is because Carson interviewed the same people that Russell Poole interviewed, okay? And maybe it gets a little bit more traction because Phil Carson could not find any information that um, disqualified anything that Russ had to say, and that's a good thing. So I, I don't want to diminish Phil Carson's investigation, but let's not kid ourselves into thinking that he's come up with some new smoking gun uh, and if he has, and he claims that he can close the case and do the things he's doing, that kind of brings us to our second point of, of where we're kind of asking kind of Phil Carson WTF. I mean, I have emails about Phil Carson and an interview with Phil Carson that goes all the way back to 2018, Kazi. Okay. And in that interview, he's saying much of the same thing, that he has the documents, he's got the interviews, he's got the things that he could use to kind of blow this case wide open. Now, I know that he, I mean, he should have all of his communications with Burkow, who was the LAPD go-between uh, between, um, the LAPD and the FBI, who worked with him and either threw him under the bus or did something to get in the middle of things. Uh, he's going to have those. He's going to have his 302s, which are the FBI field investigation notes where he goes out there and does the investigation and does the interviews. Um, maybe he has the recordings, let's hope, of uh, the Mario, ha oh, not Mario Hammonds, the um, Amir Muhammad Psycho Mike conversation. You know, they were taping all of that. So maybe he has those tapes. That would be fantastic if he did. Um, again, though, we're recycling the same story and that's okay. I and mean, like I said, and keep saying, Hey, well, RJ, Phil Carson is validating everything you're saying. Isn't that great? And I said, yes, it is. It's great. However, and unfortunately they've been sitting on this story for three or four years and haven't produced any documents, not one. Right. And two points to that. Mark. First point being that, okay, right now Phil Carson is the only guy who's actually, like I said, moving the ball down the field. So he's he's essentially the Russell Poole right now. Number two, speaking about the case, you have the podcast, the dossier, or whatever it's called. Wouldn't you say that that's just really a bunch of information that has been recycled? That back to your point was already had already come out three or four years ago when you were putting it all together. 
Well, I ought to sue them for plagiarism, for God's sake, because pretty much everything, everything they put out in the story, I mean, if Battle for Compton was a story, they've ripped off my story, all the way down to Ken Bogany talking about the the um, bank robbery and Amir Muhammad and, and uh, uh, Perez and Mac and all that. I mean, you know, they damn near violated my copyright because they took my whole story and just knocked it off, okay? Right. And, and, well... But the good news is, of course, because that story just, I think, happens to be the truth and they're getting out there. But again, without Phil Carson actually putting up any of his own documents or putting up any of those tapes or 302 interviews and any of that information. And I know I've caught some heat from saying this, but we have to bring the other players into it. And that's the other side. And that would be the Reggie Wrights and the great Kadings of this world. And what do they have to say about these things? You know, Phil Carson has come out pretty strong about Reggie Wright, mentioned his name a bunch of times. And, you know, it's the same old allegations. I mean, you know, it's like, gee, here's an, yet another person coming out and saying that, you know, Reggie Wright has some nefarious dealings with other people. And he's got it out there. But again, other than him saying that he has the documents to prove it, uh, he's being slammed by Greg Kading, who says he's a whack job, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, that's always... That's always great proof, you know, way to counter the argument, you know, oh, he's a whack job. Well, that's what they said about Robert Soria. He said that Robert Soria was a uh, uh, paranoid schizophrenic, and that's why nobody should believe what he has to say. And unfortunately, that's a lie. That's just a flat out not true statement. And, uh, uh, you know, and he didn't have his facts right there. But then, of course, Phil Carson's also crazy, uh, but just not with specificity. He didn't mention what Phil Carson's particular illness was in this one. But... To Kading's point, Phil Carson is another guy who has something to say, no different than R.J. Bond or anybody else who has stuff to say. Where Phil Carson could make a difference, and he's not, is that he's not releasing the documents. There ne he needs to flood the documents at this point, okay? And he needs to not sit on those documents anymore. Now, Kasi, when we did Season 2, what did we talk about a lot in Season 2? We talked a lot about the, the documents that were released by Las Vegas. Right. Well, really, unseen documents from Las Vegas. And you actually went out there and, you know, we, we did the podcast and we did the live shows and we showed a lot of the unseen documents that people had never seen before, even a different perspective. And I even remember you wanting to release a little bit more. But, I mean, I kind of interjected and said, you know, let's kind of hold back a little bit so that we can go ahead and, you know, look at it a little bit further. And, and then we'll come out with something, you know, in the, in the in the future, and I think you agree to that. But th nothing nothing else is coming out from Phil Carson. I mean, he's not even giving us just anything else that's different. I mean, always different news in the Tupac or even Biggie community is always big, and everybody you know flocks to it. But we haven't gotten anything, so I don't I don't know if this is just a money chase or what is it, or what is this about? Well, it's interesting to find that out because what my curiosity is, and this is you know. In one way, if Phil Carson doesn't get the documents out and he doesn't start push producing some information to back some of the things he's saying, in my opinion, he's no different than Greg Kading. I may not like what Greg Kading has to say. I may not agree with Greg Kading. I may agree with Phil Carson, but agreeing with Phil Carson doesn't do me any good if Phil Carson isn't willing to back up what he's saying because Greg Kading said a lot of shit too and he didn't back anything up. He didn't, he didn't release any of the paperwork that backed it up. When you and I do the podcast and we said, hey, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department have these things to say, what do we do? We release the documents. We put them out there and then we talk about them. We get the documents first, then we talk about what they mean. We don't try to make the picture fit the frame. Say, I got this big idea and I'm going to try to jam a bunch of rhetoric into it but not have anything to back it up. And that's what bothers me right now. Um, you know, Kurt Poole is very motivated, very excited about wanting to tell the LAPD about a bunch of, bunch of fuck-ups they are. And I get that. I totally do. I totally understand that. And I like Kurt. I mean, I really do. Uh, he may not like me very much because I'm kind of going hard on Phil Carson. But everybody has to understand that the difference between Russell and Phil Carson is that Russell did put out documents. He gave a bunch of documents to Nick Broomfield when Nick Broomfield did Biggie and Tupac. He kept a bunch of documents, and he wasn't afraid to put them out. And in fact, he caught a lot of heat, 
especially from people like Kading and that, because he took a lot of the documents with him when he left the LAPD. And he did that because he was afraid the LAPD were going to make some false allegations against him. And he wanted to have as much of his case files as he could to be able to substantiate what he was doing. It wasn't like he was, you know, independently examine the Biggie case and, and do his own personal investigation and everything after he left the LAPD. And in fact, he really didn't do much of that. He went on and started a baseball scouting company and did a bunch of other things that weren't anything to do with the Biggie and Tupac case at all. So the other misconception, it wasn't like Russell Poole was this guy who was obsessed and the minute he left the LAPD, he just set up his own shingle in a storage facility with the, you know, the yarn board pins and the pin board that connected the dots together and all that. It, it wasn't like that at all. And that's, that was something that Kading got wrong and unsolved, but, you know, of course, and City of Lies got that wrong about Russell too. Russell wasn't obsessed with the cases like that. It, he was like any other cop. There was the one that got away. It was a case that he wished he could have done more on. And so if somebody wanted to talk about it or add some information to it, he was always willing to listen. And if there was a good lead that came up, he was always one about wanting to get that lead in front of the people that could do something about it. But he wasn't the one running around himself trying to do a personal investigation about that. And I can speak to that firsthand. And anybody who would assume otherwise is just flat out lying. Okay, that's that's the truth that we need to get out there. Uh, you know, Russell was a driven guy, but Russell was not living the Tupac and Biggie thing. That wasn't his life. His life was in his grandkids, in his kids, other things that he was doing, other businesses that he was involved in, both, you know, ones that were successful and ones that weren't so successful. But he was not about that. Okay. So, um, but he was a good resource he for Phil Carson. The case when he needed to. Yeah. And he, he was a good resource. That. Yeah, that's right. He was a good, good resource for Phil Carson. And he was something that basically uh, was was able to say what he had to say and put out the interviews and put out the names and put out the documents to back what he had to say. I haven't seen much of any of that from Greg Kading, which is why I bashed him. You know, again, if this guy's got something to say, the Keith Davis interview, for example, why are you afraid to release the entire Keith Davis interview? You've cherry picked certain things that Keith Davis had to say release the whole thing so we can hear it in its context, hear it in its native form to understand what questions you asked him to get those answers and where your whole conversation was leading up until that point. Were you, were you steering the witness? Were you guiding the witness? Were you basically, like Kading said, you know, we'll tell you what to say and you just say it, you just agree. Was it like that? We don't know that because we don't have the whole conversation. We don't have it. So well, isn't it isn't it isn't it isn't it a fair statement that that when the, they were doing the questioning that he you know it seemed like he was steering TPD and not only that but I mean we do know that Greg Kading has a tarnished history of um, you know the way he does his interrogations and how he leaves certain information out of his. Uh, yeah, well, he's been he's uh, yes, it's been alleged. It's been alert, both have been alleged that, that he's that he leaves uh, important information out of he cherry picks information to put in his reports, and that he has been known to uh, lead the witness. So those are both outstanding allegations against Kading. So they're they're there. Um, and and, and, and did we ever get confirmation who 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 uh, the recording who who, who no uh, did the recording was nope. him or was it. Dupree or, or his, anybody? Uh, no, he won't come clean about that partner. either. He he he's he's right. as bad. Go ahead. No, no, he's 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 uh you know he's been um I guess un uncertain right in his own mind on who did the recording and he's oh yeah he, he's yeah he's baffled <laughs> he's baffled about who did the fucking recording. Okay, it's like three people in the room and he's wondering who did the recording, right? And, and who would give him right. the recording to use? I mean, he's as vague about the recording of that conversation as Kathy Scott was about the autopsy photos, okay? They're both kind of in the same in the same zone. Like, what? I don't know where they came from. Oh, they just floated in on my desk. You know, Anton Beatty, when the confession letter broke, uh, and he broke the confession letter publicly in his scathing indictment about what a piece of crap it was, blah, blah, blah. It was so funny because... In talking with him after, he says that it just floated into his, you know, just mailed to his house. He didn't even know who it was from. It just showed up on his doorstep one day, you know, like, okay, sure, right, okay. And, 
Yeah, well, it, what's interesting about it is that he would have had to have had that letter, the copies of the confession letter, but he would also have had to have had some other explanation for it because he would have been looking at it but like, what is this? If it just literally floated in and there was no pretext to it at all, he would have been like, well, what is this? And he would have had to have had it explained from somebody because Russell and I weren't talking to anybody about it. Russell and I had just gone to the LAPD about it. We weren't, it wasn't in a book, hadn't been mentioned Hadn't been publicized, nothing. So he gets the thing that floats in. Of course, Anton Beatty, like anybody else, is going to be like, I don't need, what is this? Okay. So it had to have been explained to him. And if it came in an envelope, free, you know, just literally dropped in cold on Anton Beatty's doorstep, Anton Beatty would have had to have at least had a letter or some other explanation or a telephone number of who sent it to him because he would have had to have gotten perspective on what it was. Especially for right. him to light it up and 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 try to destroy it like he did. So you know the fact that he never copped to the fact of who sent it to him. He just said it floated in. I think that's complete bullshit. And of course, it just explains you know how deceptive Anton Beatty really is, Anthony Battaglia or whatever his name is. How how um, deceptive he really is because he couldn't even be straight with me then when he was apologizing for everything. He couldn't even be straight with me then and tell me exactly who sent it to him. Because if you're going to drop, uh, uh, yeah, he gets an envelope. It has copies of the confession letter in it and like nothing else. He's going to say, well, what the hell is this? Because he wasn't even doing Tupac at that point. Okay. So somebody had to explain it to him. Somebody had to explain what it was and then give him the ammunition to be able to discredit it by whatever the narrative was that they were trying to bring up about Robert Soria being a paranoid schizophrenic. All that information had to have come to him and been front loaded by somebody. So, you know... Uh yeah. That somebody, in my opinion, was Greg Cating. Well, of course it was Greg Cating. Of course it was Darren Dupree. Of course, there was only there was only a handful of people that were in the meeting with the LAPD that got a copy of it. And I know it was a copy of it because when Anton Beatty put it on his YouTube page, the screenshot that was allegedly mailed to him, it was a copy of the PowerPoint presentation that I had made. I never gave the LAPD a copy of the letter per se, and I never gave them the original letter. I gave them a copy of the letter that was actually put on a PowerPoint slide, and it had a little bit of formatting, like a watermark behind it, so that if it ever got out, I'd know exactly where it came from. And that shows you kind of how much I trusted the LAPD and all of it. And so when that came out, I could prove very clearly that it was from the PowerPoint presentation that I only gave four people. So, you know, if it wasn't Kirk Albanese, and if it wasn't um, the... Uh, head of uh, robbery homicide, I forget the guy's name, McCarthy, uh, and it wasn't uh, one of the other guys, and then Darren Dupree. Those are the four guys from the LAPD that got copies of that thing. So, you know, one of these things is not like the other, and and uh, that Greg Cading got it, and somehow Anton Beatty got it. And by the way, who would know to send that to Anton Beatty? And who would have Anton Beatty's address? Fuck, I couldn't even find Anton Beatty's name, his real name for years, Okay. Who would know how to get a hold of him at his address to just cold mail something to him, okay? I mean, that's as shady as Amir Muhammad calling the uh, Chula Vista PD's bluff and saying, I already called the LAPD and they ran the plate and I know you guys are lying to me, okay? They give themselves away way too often here. Anyway, but this thing about Phil Carson, and, and this is the thing, again, I don't want to shit on what Phil Carson has to say. I'm hoping that he brings his A-game. I'm hoping that he has the, the goods to deliver on this whole thing about keeping it shut. But, I mean, you have to ask yourself, Kazi, Greg Kading says that the LAPD wouldn't let him do the investigation because of XYZ, and they stopped him from doing the investigation that would have led him to his conclusions. Is that not what you've heard from Would that be a fair summary of what Greg Kading has said? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And now here comes Phil Carson that says, well, the FBI never let me finish my investigation because of the politics within the LAPD, and they, they didn't want to blow their relationship with the LAPD over some uh, black rapper. Okay, and, and, and you've heard that. Wasn't that. Would that not be a fair statement of what Phil Carson said, a fair summary of his allegation? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Speak up. Is what the, the, statement, the statement was. So right now, I guess we're stuck in a whirlwind, right? Well, we Whatever got the same thing going on. Both cops, 
both cops, Phil Carson and Greg Kading, are saying something very similar. That they had the story of a lifetime, they have a case of a lifetime, that they could prove the case, and that the LAPD shut it down. So how were they different? Okay. Their conclusions are different, but their story is the same. I solved the case of the century, and the LAPD wouldn't allow it to be prosecuted. And the FBI didn't want to prosecute it because of the LAPD. Okay, that's probably true. Okay, both both are probably true. Uh, don't don't discredit either one of them. They're probably both saying very true statements. My problem is, then the next thing is, you need to put the documents out in the court of public opinion because if you're not going to get the case solved by a jury or by a court or no investigative agency is going to put it out, maybe you should put the documents out. Maybe that will compel Christopher Ray, who's the new head of the FBI. Bob Mueller was the head of the FBI when, when Carson was working. And from everything we know about Bob Mueller now, I mean, Bob Mueller couldn't investigate the inside of his coat pocket. Okay. And, you know, $23 million or $42 million and three years later, you know, and, and, but the thing about it is that Bob Mueller was the guy in charge. Maybe somebody is different in charge. Maybe they would look at it. But none of this is go going to happen if these documents aren't released and Phil Carson's story is given more credibility than Greg Kading's story because right now they're kind of even. As far, now, I'm not talking about previous documents that, you know, that obviously Phil Carson has seen and validated that are out there in the public eye already. Documents, by the way, <clears throat> that we put out. Um, that's all well and good, but I think that the, the problem I've got with it is that until Phil Carson puts out those documents that he's got that are different, that would really move the ball down the field or move the needle, so to speak, okay, I don't know what more right he has to claim and bragging rights on solving the case than Greg Kading did, because as far as I'm concerned, until I see more of the documents, I already thought Russell Poole solved the case. So Phil Carson just come in right. and rubber stamping what 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 uh, what Russ Poole did. Russ Poole solved the case. Phil Carson didn't solve the case. So I'm not exactly right. sure what all the hoo ha is about Phil Carson, other than yes, he's another investigator that finally is stepping forward and being able to say the things that Russ Poole can't say anymore. He's kind of carrying the torch, so to speak. I think that's great. But again, right. So. So Russell, so Russell and, and Phil Carson's conclusion are both going to be the same at the end of the day. And I thought, I think a lot of people aren't going to like that we're probably speaking about this, you know, trying to, like you said, you're not trying to diminish what Phil Carson has. No, not at all. see more from him. I agree with everything that Phil Carson has said. I totally agree with it. I agree with everything Phil Carson has said. I think he speaks the truth. But the problem is, is that his allegations... If A, he, his statement that he doesn't really have any more documents than what's publicly available. I didn't walk out of the FBI office with like, you know, case files and all that sort of stuff. Oh. I have, I have notes. I have, I have stuff. People out there have these documents. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's these documents that are out there. Maybe that's changed. You know, somebody says, oh, they just said they, they said they just got the documents a month ago. Okay, why? How? Okay, you're, if you're going to put out that kind of statement, you better, you, better, <laughs> you better explain how it is that for four years you've been saying you have the documents and then you say you just got the documents a month ago, then what have you been saying for four years? Because I have all that. I mean, I got all that documented that he said it in four years. Okay, and even Reggie Wright will tell you, I don't come on strong about something unless I've got something hard. I've got documents. I've got something hard on this. Okay, and I know that Sikorsky has basically been controlling what Phil Carson says. I mean, Phil Carson comes right out and says it. They've got some sort of a contract between Sikorsky and Phil Carson that Sikorsky controls his life rights. And this is a problem that I had. I got the chance to talk with another filmmaker who's made a previous documentary about Biggie and, and Tupac. It wasn't me. And he and I share the same opinion that people that sit on information and sit on documents that could move a case forward or bring a case to light and they sit on documents and they sit on information for no other reason than to make money um i you know we i have a big problem with that i really do i've got a major problem with that i don't mind if you sit on it for a couple months while you're doing editorial and you've got something that's broke 
But four years? Four years? That's a long freaking time, Kazi, don't you think? I do. Oh, yeah. Been, it's been 20, 20 plus years, and I think that you've got Tupac communities looking for answers and really any new information is good information, but, you know, I just feel like... But is it really new it, information? No, it's not new information, and, and, and it's for it's for the it's for the community of, of of Tupac and Biggie that don't really follow the scene that have just kind of lent their ear as of recent, and they and they think that this is new information. And it sounds really sensational and everything, but going back to what we just talked about, this is just information that's already been out. Probably, I mean, to the people that say that Phil straight. Carson's, to the people that say that Phil Carson's information is new information. I say to them, wake the fuck up, because you people have been asleep. You've been asleep for four years. If you're considering yourself Tupac fans or Biggie fans, you're not very good fans, because this information has been out there for years, and now you're saying, because why? Because you woke up and realized that because it came from Phil Carson, that it was suddenly more valid than it was when we put it out four years ago? This is not information that was... Um, you know, that hasn't already been out. I didn't walk out of the FBI office with, like, you know, case files and all that sort of stuff. Oh. I have, I have notes. I have, I have stuff. People out there have these documents. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's these documents that are out there. So, uh, you know, if you pat yourself on the back of being a Tupac or a Big E fan, and you haven't tracked this information, what you really should be saying is, Hey, RJ, congratulations. You and uh, Carlin and, and the people, Jesse, that worked on the battle for Compton, you guys should be applauded because Phil Carson's endorsing everything that you have to say. Okay, great. I'm glad Phil Carson's endorsing it. There's a lot of people that endorse what we have to say. Bring the documents that help us prove that what we had to say is valid from a documentary standpoint, and we're in business. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, think it's, I think it's kind of appalling to me that this information has been out there for years and people are treating it like it's new. That bugs me. Right. Right. So, so, so in, in conclusion, we just, if, if people want to get down to the um, nitty gritty of the information that Bill Carson says he has, then he has to come, he has to come forth and he has to drop that information. And then this has to be information that has not already been available to the public. So that's, that that would be my only request uh, moving forward, and obviously, Bill Carson's not going to hear that request. But hopefully, you know somebody who has a little bit more. Oh, you don't know. Listen, you don't know that Phil Carson's not going to hear that address. I'm sure that somebody listens to our podcast that will get it in front of Phil Carson. Don't think for a minute that we don't have people in common like an Alex Lindhurst or something like that who's in everybody's ear, and he takes everything that we have to say in these podcasts and he gets it to where it needs to go. I'm sure of that, and I'm sure that even the live stream that we put out last week where I talked about Phil Carson and the documents, it's got to be bugging Phil Carson, you know, about why he hasn't been able to do it. I'm sure it's a little frustrating that he signed his rights away to uh, uh, Don Sikorsky and Don Sikorsky and some other people that are in kind of in the Wallace investigation, Wallace civil case community, have been sitting on their hands and sitting on this information, not wanting to put it out in documentary form. Uh, because they want a, a deal on something or they want to be paid up front for putting all this information out. Uh, you know, I, that kind of stuff just makes me ill because that's not how I have all, ever operated. Nobody ever paid me up front to do the assassination movies. And there's a lot of people that can swear to that one. Okay, I get people line up a mile long that not only did we not pay people like Tracy Robinson and not pay Lily Steinberg, not pay Gloria Cox, we didn't pay people for their interviews. They did their interviews because they wanted to do their interviews. They did their interviews because they wanted to get the truth out there. And I spent hours and hours and hours in editorial and advanced thousands and thousands of dollars of costs out of my own pocket to put those documentaries out. I didn't wait around saying, I've got this pot of gold and I'm willing to put it out if you pay me. Wasn't that the same bitch I had about Gobi? Yes. Yes, with this uh, seven, what was it, seven day yeah. movie What's the fucking difference? These people wait around to get paid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe Don Sikorsky should have started. Maybe Don Sikorsky should have started the dossier GoFundMe page. Maybe he has. I don't know. You know where he's looking for looking for a handout. 
you know. Uh, I but think, I think more than anything, people people just want some transparency with this whole Phil Carson thing. I mean, I would say half of the community, another half of the community is is content with with uh, taking the answer as um, with the endorsement. You know, I, I yeah, or I can't I can't do this invest you know beat the investigation because. I'm being stonewalled by the FBI, or I'm being stonewalled by the FBI, right. whatever it may be. Okay, so, so let's so that, that's let's find out how close you were. Let's everybody find out how close you really were to solving the case. You say you were close to it. Greg Kading said the same thing. Okay, again, I'm going to say it for the 80th time because people are going to get on me about it. Because Reggie Wright's going to try to twist this into, oh, see, R.J. Savant said he didn't, he doesn't believe in Phil Carson, and R.J. Bond says he's a, he's doubting Phil Carson. Well, bullshit. I'm putting that out there right now. Okay, you know how he is. He tries to spin everything. Right. I like what Phil Carson has brought forward. I agree with what Phil Carson has brought forward, largely because Phil Carson hasn't brought anything forward that I haven't already said. Okay. Bottom line, I already said it. Four years ago, Phil Carson backing it up. Yep, great, good. Glad to have the endorsement. It's good. I agree with what Phil Carson had to say. Now, if Phil Carson has something to move the ball down the field in terms of documentary evidence or information, documents and that, why can't he do what we did with the Vegas documents? You know, it would have been very easy for me to sit on top of the Vegas documents and information that was put out in the podcast and hold on to it, keep it aside, and say, you know what? Gosh, I could do another Tupac assassination documentary. Let's do that. Okay? Didn't do that. The information was there. We thought it was of public interest. We put it out. We got it out there into the public. Okay? So, you know, I I don't personally have a taste in my mouth for people that sit on information. What I like less is, and I'm going to say this as delicately as I can because I'm on a bit of a rant. Um, there are people who have still not told their entire story in terms of the Biggie killing and the Tupac killing. And how do I know this? It's because there are people that we did interviews with that have just now put out information and verified facts that happened and are credible witnesses and are credible testimony and no one's going to argue with them about it. But I have to sit there and say, 20 years later, you're just now saying this? Now you're saying it's 20 years later? I get that people are afraid. Okay, yeah, all right, the boogeyman's out there. Okay, 10 years after death row collapsed and Suge Knight's in prison. You know, I mean, 10, 15 years, 20 years later. You know, how long is it before you actually do give up information that might help move the needle down there? And by the way... Don't you think this information would have been helpful to try to close the fucking investigation back when it was relevant and people actually wanted to spend taxpayer money investigating this stuff? Man, that stuff gets under my skin. Because if you're holding on to information and you know what's going on and you're holding on to information and you claim to have loved Tupac or claim to have loved Biggie, you're a fucking hypocrite. That's it. You're a fucking hypocrite. And you should be ashamed of yourself. Because you got guys like me that didn't know either one of them at all. Hanging our asses out there trying to find documents and trying to find evidence about it. Okay? Doesn't pay a lot of money. We don't make a killing off of doing any of this stuff. It's more important to try to get to the bottom of the story. And we're a pain in the ass. Everybody like Reggie Wright and Greg Kading and all these, we're a pain in their ass. But I have never taken other people's money to pay for a Tupac project to put the information out there. I've never taken other people's money to put information out about the killings. I've never taken other people's money to do that, and I've never held information up waiting for somebody to pay me to put out information. And I find it abhorrent. I find it disgusting that people would do that. And if there's one message that I want to get out is to say, okay, you know what? All right, so let's say I believe what they're saying about, oh, they just got the documents last month. Then look, you're 30 days too late. You got those documents 30 days ago, 29 days ago those documents should have hit. Okay? Yeah. The dossier should have had of every one of those episodes that came out. Here is a, uh, uh, what's that thing where you get the doc ID or whatever, DocuSign or whatever that uh, scribed, yeah, that's it, scribed or scribed or something where you post documents. Yeah. Out. 
Here's the scribe yeah. link to all the documents that based on what we said. But they don't do that. No. No. Just you know, just hey, take what take what we're telling you because now follow along if you've heard this before. Take what we have to tell you at face value because I was a cop and I was the top investigator and I investigated it. So take my word for it. Yeah. Okay. Why? Because you have a higher value price tag because your your name badge said LAP said FBI versus LAPD that you had a bigger name badge. One versus the other. Well, why isn't it more about money? The guy, Sikorsky, has been running around with information he claims on both cases that he's been running around trying to pitch a TV deal for four years. I have proof of that. Okay? You know, so it's like, well, okay, if you've been pitching it for four years, yeah, sure, maybe their gravy train finally came in. Maybe there was something that had to happen that the flood of documents that they really we're talking about that they had already, and this is my problem because they've been represented for four years, they had all these documents. And then Phil Carson comes out and says, well, most of the stuff I have is already out there. Okay? It's already all out there. Well, when you have that kind of confession, and then now they're suddenly saying, well, we're putting all this documents, we just got all the documents a month ago, really? Then 29 days ago, those documents should have hit the net. Okay, because if you really know or you really believe that there's no movement going forward with an official investigation, that it's dead, and you know that there's nothing that's going to move the needle with the LAPD, there's nothing that's going to move the needle with the Justice Department. I mean, they can't even investigate the shit that they got going on right now. What makes you think they're going to reactivate a 20 plus year old cold case? If you really don't believe that those things are going to move the needle, then you have no reason whatsoever to withhold those documents from the public other than the fact that you're in it for a cash grab. Period. That's it. Yeah. So conclusion would be release some release some documents, give 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 us something, give give the people, give the community something to Didn't we have a to, saying? Kazi, didn't we have a saying, fuck the talk, show the doc? Yeah. <laughs> We yeah. had that. That was yeah. a catchphrase for us for a long time, wasn't it? What you were talking about, the Tupac. You, yeah. you, st you still have more documents, right? From what? From Vegas police? Right. No, I'm going through them, but no. I mean, I, I don't want you. I'm not, I'm not holding on to anything. When I find something that's of value, I put it out right away. I don't hold on to it. So, no, I'm not holding on to anything that I know, and I want to make that clear. I'm not holding on to anything that I know would move the needle one way or another. I've put out what I know so far. Have I gone through all the documents yet? No, not all of them. So maybe there could be some more. It's just a function of time. You know, 1,400 pages is a lot of freaking documents. So, and then trying to figure out what the value of them are, what they mean. Uh, you know, the Orlando Anderson thing. We just put out a video, and I'm surprised I'm not hearing anything about it from anybody. It's this chirp, chirp, chirp. Orlando Anderson may have been in the hospital the night of the shooting. Why is that not getting any press? Why is that not getting any coverage? Okay. I don't know. I don't get it. Seems pretty important to me that if Orlando Anderson was actually at the hospital that night or he was too injured to do the shooting, that he might not have done the shooting. Okay. Do we have a time on that, though? To, no, to that's the problem. That's the problem. We don't have a time. We know that Vegas was interested in it, the fact that he went to the hospital. Vegas wouldn't be interested if he went to the hospital a week later. And he, besides, he lived in L.A. He wouldn't be going to a Vegas hospital a week later, okay? And he left to come back to L.A. like the next day, okay? So when he went to the hospital, it would have had to have been in that 24-hour period. So we know at least that much, which signifies to me one of two things, possibly. That either A, he was at the hospital when the whole shooting thing was supposed to have happened and that's the best kept secret anybody's you know everybody knows or nobody knew or nobody got uh or that vegas knows and nobody else knew uh number one and uh, number two nobody wanted to admit because if they're pushing the orlando anderson narrative why would they ever want to admit he was in the hospital kind of blows their own narrative right so either a he was in the hospital or b he went to the hospital sometime after the shooting happened, after that midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock. He went to the hospital there. If you're that sick that you got to go to the emergency room, okay, 
Let's say he wasn't injured. He just went to the emergency room to alibi himself. Okay? He still has to show proof that there was something wrong with him. Okay? And you're not, when you go to the emergency room, it's going to be hours before you get out of the emergency room. They don't just see you when you're out in 10 minutes like a Jiffy Lube. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> you're in there, and, and that's what you have. So either he was at the hospital, and by the way, I haven't seen Greg Kading, Mr. Ex Investigator Extraordinaire. I haven't seen him pop that cherry and pr give documents that show Orlando Anderson wasn't at Sunrise Hospital. Okay? And if he was at Sunrise Hospital, I sure haven't seen the documents that show what time he was at Sunrise Hospital because the weaker argument is that Orlando Anderson was too injured and busted up that he had to go to the emergency room, so he may have been too injured to do the shooting. So either he was literally at the hospital during the time the shooting was supposed to have taken place, or he may have been too injured to actually do the shooting. Now, to me, of the two arguments, that's the weaker of the two, only because it does allow for the fact that if he was hurt and injured and all busted up, he might have been man enough like the Terminator to, to suit up and, and broken ribs and all and ride around in a white Cadillac looking for Tupac. Okay? That's, that's, the, that's the, the stronger of the arguments. I mean, the weaker of the arguments. Yeah. But the stronger of the arguments is, well, yeah, he was in the emergency room when, during that window. So there was no way he could have gone to the emergency room, checked out, found a white Cadillac, and shot Tupac all in a certain couple hours. Okay? Just wouldn't happen. It frustrates the entire theory. Okay? But I sure haven't seen Greg Caden come out with something to say, oh, well, that report about Sunrise... Oh, yeah, he went to Sunrise Hospital at 7 a.m. the next morning. Okay? Well, it still leaves a lot of benefit of the doubt there. Now you're talking about plausible plausibility that he might have been so fucked up after the after the, the the altercation that you know you don't feel it at first. It may be an hour later that you start really hurting, especially when you're majorly yeah. injured like that. The adrenaline calms down. You get to you start to see, or in the case of internal injuries, you start peeing blood, things like that, and then you realize, fuck, I got to go to the emergency room. So you yeah. have that you have that 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 possibility there. It still exists. The minute the fact that Orlando Anderson and Sunrise Hospital are in the same sentence, suddenly you have a whole different scenario that could be could exist. Okay? Right. The only thing that would not is where there's a thing from Sunrise Hospital saying Orlando Anderson was never admitted to Sunrise Hospital. And I would doubt that because if that was going to be the case, then Vegas police would have given that up in the documents. They would have tried to hold on to it. Okay, they would have redacted the personal information out of it, and they would have sent it. They would have given it over to the Center of Investigative Journalism in the discovery documents because they they didn't they wouldn't assert privilege over something that they don't care about. Okay, but they're but they're but, but they're but they're allowed to to garner that information even even though there's there's HIPAA laws, right? No, well, it would there would be no HIPAA laws. There would be no HIPAA laws if, if hang on a second. Hang on yep. a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause this. But I still can't figure out why it is that uh, this information is not moving the needle with anybody. Okay. So again, Phil Carson, we come up with documents that show things and ask questions and doesn't get any traction. Phil Carson makes a bunch of statements and shows no documents. It gets all kinds of traction. So it's kind of a kooky world we live in, and that's I guess all we got to say about that. Any any parting thoughts, Mr. Kazi? No, not at all. I mean, I, I, I'm in totally agreeance with you as far as Bill Parson being able to release some more documents to the Tupac community that's already seen a lot of these documents, have heard a lot of these interviews with the people that have been crucial to the investigation regarding Vicky Small. So that would be my only request. I, I know that, like you said, uh, even though I'd like to believe that maybe I, I would have some kind of influence or whatnot, but only request would be but to Phil Carson would be to release that information or or a little bit more information to kinda to kind of pique our interest to say, hmm, you know, maybe maybe there is something there and it's just not a, a money grab. So that that would that would be my, my only uh, my only statement. Kinda runs along in the vein of put up or shut up, doesn't it? Right. Yep. Exactly. It is. Yeah. So and, and you put up a lot of documents already and I think that, and, and, and this is my opinion, the Tupac community is kind of taking you for granted as far as, you know, you releasing documents and, and getting the interest uh, going again. And, and, I, and I thought 
that last season with the two product documents that came out, which were the ones from that nobody had ever seen with the unknown witness who was right behind the whole shooting as it took place. And we still had a few people that were the naysayers that were saying that this was insignificant, which to me, I say it was very significant because you said that we've only heard from death row employees. We've never heard from anybody else. That's right. And finally, we got a witness who no one had ever heard about in 20 plus years and you brought it out. So that would be the only thing that I would have to say. So don't take, don't take for granted Tupac community, what you have. I mean, we've, I mean, I would say that RJ's been the, uh, the trailblazer when it's come to, you know, bringing out documents. So I would say along those lines, hopefully Phil Carson, um, does the same thing. Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest for a minute. Okay. Uh, you know, Reggie can toot his own horn about things he's done like that. But let's 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 take a minute to self-indulge and say that R.J. Bond has put out three Tupac movies. I brought you Michael Moore. I brought you the Frank Alexander stuff, the Frank Alexander tapes. I brought you Ken Bogany. I bought you all of these people that have come forward. Layla Steinberg, Tracy Robinson, all these people that have come forward. I've done three freaking documentaries about it. Name one other person in this community that's done that. Greg Kading's the lead investigator on it. He came out with one. Okay, you'd think he'd do another one to follow up on the bullshit claims in the first one. Try to clean up his mess. Okay? But I put it all out there, and it's not too much to ask for somebody that I respect, because I respect the work that Phil Carson did. I just think it's time now for Phil Carson to stop talking about what a great case he has and make his fucking case. So anyway, Kazi, thank you as always. You know, yeah, we got in a bit of a rant this time. This is a little bit different of a podcast than we usually have, huh? But that's all right, because right. I felt very strongly about it, and I think people need to understand that, and that's what podcasts are for. So anyway, wrapping it up, this is RJ Bond. I'm here with JM Kazi, and for this week, that is what I know. RJ Bond, What I Know is a production of Martin Productions Incorporated. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. No part of this may be used without express written permission of Martin Productions.